Good morning and welcome to the Lakers Lowdown. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today on the show, the Lakers won a basketball game that counts. So by my math, 82 wins, not quite on the table. 80, however, we found the sweet spot. 82 wins would just be overachieving. Come on. Let's start with the good stuff from that game, shall we? Let's just, you know, I have complaints that we will get to later. Uh, but let's start with the good stuff. And it's Carmelo Anthony who, uh, during that game, moved into ninth all-time scoring in NBA history. So congratulations to him for that. He finished the night in 28 minutes, scoring 28 points, 10 of 15 from the floor, Six of eight from three-point range, two clutch free throws down the stretch, finish the game a plus 19. Uh, that is tied for game high with Malik Monk. Uh, Austin Reeves was right there at plus 18. Interestingly enough, all of the starters, uh, AD, LeBron, Bays, Jordan, Westbrook, all uh, finished the night in negative figures in plus minus. Again, we'll talk about that later. But Carmelo was incredible, and this is... Why you go out and get somebody like that where he is one of the greatest, literally one of the greatest scorers that the sport has ever seen. He has, in my opinion, one of the smoothest jumpers uh, that I have ever seen. And if the team sleeps and forgets where he is, he is more than capable of punishing them. Is he going to shoot six of eight from three-point range every night? No. Uh, is he going to shoot 10 of 15 every night? No. And did I think that on occasion they were kind of force-feeding him a little bit with some of the ISOs? Sure. But the point here, the only thing that really matters here, is that on random nights you are going to get, holy crap, Carmelo Anthony is a Los Angeles Laker type of moments, and, and we got one tonight. And the Lakers would not have been close in this game. Not, not only was he making you know, the, the, a lot of shots <laughs> scoring uh, the 28 points that he did. But the shots that he was making were huge. He made, uh, you know, late shot clock uh, type of shots, uh, wide open threes that continue momentum or turn momentum if it needs to be turned. I thought Carmelo was really, really good offensively and defensively, by the way. Like, I, I, I think he's, he's starting to learn a little bit. He's never going to be even like league average as a defender this year. But can you can you get him to stand in the right spots five out of seven times? <laughs> uh that's the hope here. And and I think he's he's I think slowly but surely getting it a little bit more there. You even if you go off and you score the way that Melo did, there's no guarantee that you're gonna wind up being as high in the plus minus as he was. You have to be doing stuff elsewhere around the basketball court uh, to to get that type of a number, and he did. So shouts to Melo. Congratulations on the incredible accomplishment, and <laughs> thank you for helping the Lakers finally get a dub. Another thing that I liked, and honestly one of the bigger developments from this game, was the Lakers' approach to executing down the stretch of this one. They used Russell Westbrook basically primarily as a screener in the pick and roll with LeBron. And, and a couple times they got him on the short roll. And on at least one occasion, he made the right pass and AD got a bucket. I think there are other occasions where he was still too focused on passing 
and needed to attack the rim. Uh, and those are the things that, you know, you, you can develop with reps and all of that. Uh, and, and so long as he is open to that, like it, it just makes the game easier for him. You have two defenders that are going to, to attack LeBron. That means you have Russell Westbrook with momentum running downhill at the rim with uh, four, you know, with three teammates around him and only three defenders to stop a four on three break. And, and that's the kind of situation that you want to create. And, and by the way, Frank Vogel said after the game that that is something that they really liked seeing. Um, and he was really happy with the way that they executed on offense tonight. And to me, if you're just reading tea leaves the way that you guys know that I like to, the fact that Vogel thought about that heading into this game and then took note of it looking good to me is a is a pretty big develop, development because that is the kind of thing that Russ has to do if it's going to work when the game slows down and gets into the half court and the Lakers have to execute. Now, the one, I don't want to call it necessarily a downside, but the one trade-off that you're going to have here is that if Russ is setting the screen and is now your short roller there, that means you're asking Anthony Davis either to just stand still at the uh, in the dunker spot or try to space the floor. AD isn't a good enough shooter to space the floor, so you got to be kind of creative and figure out ways to get him moving to the basket as Russ is on that uh, on that short roll to force whoever is guarding Anthony Davis to make a decision between stopping Russ before he gets to the rim or uh, you know not allowing Anthony Davis to get a catch and dunk type of play. So uh, it, this is going to be the kind of thing that's going to be, just like with everything else regarding this Lakers team, is going to be a process. But we saw at least the beginning of that process here with the way that they were using Russell Westbrook. It, it kind of, quite frankly, reminded me of the way that they were using Lonzo Ball uh, a couple of years back where he was just kind of running around setting screens for anybody. We would call them a, a, a screen Roomba. And, and, and if we can see Russ do something like that uh, and and it can put him in more situations to simplify the game for him then that's the entire reason <laughs> that you that you run sets in the first place so that was uh, it, really fun to watch I also want to give a shout out to Anthony Davis though playing the center he made some just insane defensive plays he blocked Jaron Jackson on a three-pointer he stole that ball, and even though it was overturned and they gave the ball back to Memphis, uh, just the fact that a, a guy of Anthony Davis's size can get out there and make that play uh, was incredible to watch. He, I, I thought, did a much better job in this game, not settling offensively. Uh, now, there were stretches, and there are always going to be stretches. He's never going to be, you know, pedal to the metal, trying to get to the basket every single play. That's That's just... Too much to ask for Anthony Davis, given how hard he plays defensively. But I thought in moments where the court was properly spaced for him, he did a very good job of at least taking his attempts vertically and not falling away. And That, that to me, is what you always got to watch for with Anthony Davis, is how many of his shots are either shooting vertically or, ideally, moving towards the basket. And I thought that ratio tonight was a lot better than it has been in the, in the two games prior to this one. AD also played a ton of center in this game, and I think the Lakers are starting to realize, they have to start to realize here that 
DeAndre Jordan just isn't an NBA player. And it's funny because I, I you know, I, I started watching the game and I was getting kind of frustrated. My folks are in town and, you know, they can kind of tell that I'm getting a little annoyed. And mom asks, hey, what's what's up? And I go, I just, I just, I can't watch DeAndre Jordan play. I just, it's, it's it hurts my eyes. And she said, well, but, but like, look, he just got a dunk. He did this. And I just said, like, I'm just telling you, it's it's not great. And I guarantee you, if we look at the game at the end of this thing, he's going to have uh, a, a suboptimal plus minus here. And he finished the game a minus 15, only one behind uh, Kent Bazemore, who had a minus 16, who also struggled, I thought, in this one, had that big three-point, the, the foul of John Morant on the three-pointer that he got bailed out on because uh, John missed the free throw. But I thought I thought Jordan was was again bad here, and you know they start the game slow, then they start the third quarter slow, despite heading into the third quarter with a lead, and it's just like <laughs> Frank can't think that's some kind of coincidence here. So either they have to uh, move AD into the starting spot from the get go, or they have to maybe consider starting Dwight instead. Uh, I, I just think you can't you can't put yourself in a hole immediately, game in, game out, half in, half out, right? Because in the first half, the start of the first half, slow start, Memphis goes on a run. You have to now not just stop that momentum, but then you have to get it going back in your direction, which takes a ton of energy. And so they had to do that twice tonight. And I just, we, we, we've seen enough here. We've seen en- we've seen enough over the last few years where, yes, uh, JaVale and AD were starting alongside each other when the Lakers won a world championship, but it was still significantly better when either Dwight entered the game for JaVale or AD just slid over to the five. And and by the way, JaVale then, hell, JaVale now is a significantly better player than DeAndre Jordan. And I just think here in this spot again, here we go again, where the Lakers starting unit is once again putting the team at a deficit night in, night out, because Frank Vogel is too stubborn to recognize that DeAndre Jordan just doesn't have it anymore. He hasn't had it in like years. Interesting stuff here from, from this one also. Rajon Rondo gets a DNP CD here. He didn't play in this one at all. Uh, I, I think that's probably the right call. I'm not saying that they won because Rondo didn't play, but I just think while Russ figures things out, Rondo should probably play a pretty minimal role because either you're going to play him alongside LeBron in a LeBron AD or a LeBron Dwight type of lineup, or you're going to have LeBron and Russ sitting at the same time so that you have a Rondo AD lineup out there. But... It, it, and by the way, those minutes aren't going to happen. So I just think for while you're figuring out how best to optimize Russell Westbrook, which, by the way, has to be your priority between those two guys, Rondo really has to play a small role. And it's difficult to do that because of how shorthanded the Lakers are. But tonight they lean more on Austin Reeves, who I thought performed very well, given what he was asked to do. I think... <laughs> What's crazy is of everybody who guarded Jaw, I thought Reeves did the best job, and and so in this case, I think it was the right move going to Reeves instead of Rondo, and I hope that that continues. 
All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Lakers Lowdown Podcast. Make sure you guys check out the Can You Dig It guys. Uh, Jacob and Christian are going to dive deeper on this uh, game and the developments around the Lakers either after the game or heading into uh, Tuesday's game against San Antonio. So you're going to want to check that out. You're going to want to check out everything on silverscreenroll.com where uh, you'll find gems like uh, Austin uh, Green writing about uh, Carmelo Anthony and the things that he lends to the team. He wrote that before tonight's game, so you're going to want to check that out. Good, well done by Austin to, to, to get that done before <laughs> Melo uh, played the way that he played tonight. Uh, and then, you know, we have some quotes, some quote roundups that you're going to get over the course of the day as the Lakers respond to their first win. Until tomorrow, I'm Anthony Irwin. Say have a good one. Guys.